Welcome to Veteran State of Mind. I'm Garen Jones, and apparently I don't know how to use a fucking microphone uh, because I just thought I'd recorded five minutes of this and uh, didn't record. So, here we go, back to the beginning. Um, today's episode is kindly provided by the Classified Podcast, and our mate Mike, Michael Coates over there. Um, I did a podcast with him where we discussed um, the, the process of writing, get published, all that kind of stuff. And because, like a lot of you guys have been asking about that stuff, I thought, great time to put it up on here. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're using lockdown and you want to be doing a bit of writing, then this is, this would be a good episode for you to listen to. Um, the, uh, the, on the writing side of things, I am going to be like, I am going to be putting out some stuff through my, uh, Geraint Jones kind of, uh, um, pages and stuff soon about uh, more writing things on there. So, uh, stay tuned for that. If it's something that you're interested in. Also, I'm a Kickstarter campaign going for, um, self-publishing a crime filler that's set in vegas um so thank you guys who have already kind of been bigging that up and we've got um the kickstarter should be out this weekend um and some of the some of the packages that include for a certain amount of pledge on there um they include uh writing consultations with me which basically i look over a sample of your work or a synopsis of your work and then we get on the phone and we'll go through it and see if i can use um what i know to to help you out on that um the Kickstarter packages um, on there are um, a lot cheaper than what I do it for usually. Um, so um, if that's something you're interested in, worth keeping an eye out for. And um, yeah, thanks for everyone that's been supporting the idea of the Kickstarter so far. It should be up on the weekend. Monday, it's going to be episode motherfucking 50, um, which is amazing. Thank you guys so much for just getting us you know, towards that uh, milestone. It's pretty fucking awesome. Um, and because... I love you guys for the support that you've given. I have um, brought in multiple guests. So on episode 50, we have uh, the British rogue, Joe Lynn. Got Dave Radder's Rad Band on. And we've got the ever-lovely Sean Jones MC. And we've got a couple of people calling in too, um, asking questions. We've got the guest call-ins. Sorry, the um, listener call-ins on there. Uh, so we've got really go cool, really, really awesome episodes. It's going to be a longer episode as well. It's going to be a couple of hours. Um, and then episode 51... We have a massive guest coming on uh, from the United States, which I'm uh, really, really happy about. I'll be now announcing on social media, so make sure you're checking out social media because that's going to be up on there. Uh, but really, guys, just thank you so much. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends. Please bring a friend along. And um, if you want to if you want to get merchandise, it's vsomstore.com. Uh, please check out Declassified Podcast as well. Um, again, like I said, thank you so much, Mike, for, um, for letting us pop this back up and spreading spreading the kind of the words spreading the message uh other podcasts to check out check out hey Chow, check out the boys over the smoke pit uh check out jacked off or jack's off podcast which is uh jack mandeville i just did a just did a podcast with him today um, i'm going to record one with jason piccolo tomorrow sorry if i butchered your name jason um over at the protectors podcast there's so many good podcasts going guys it, there really is um personally the way i work with podcasts i'll binge one for a bit i'll get in there I'll smash a few uh, smash a few, move on to next, smash a few of that, and then come back around, finish the other one off with the dirty old reach around. Uh, but anyway, before I discredit myself too much, because I do actually know what I'm talking about when it comes to writing, um, and <laughs> unlike unlike my radio announcing career, the writing one's going pretty well. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed today, guys. Thank you, Declassified. Thank you, Michael. And thank you guys for dedicating your ears to the cause that is veteran state of mind. Cue the music. Have we got music today? I don't know. But just cue the fucking podcast. Let's do it!
My name is Michael Coates, and I'm the co-founder of two veteran-owned organisations. And these conversations are dedicated to supporting the crosshair where business meets the military. This episode is the one we talk about writing a book, and we're doing it with no one better. Geraint Jones is a former infantry soldier who served in both Afghanistan and Iraq, and is now a New York Times and Sunday Times best-selling writer. This is part of the Declassified Network, and this is the Forces Friendly Podcast. Did you, um, as a kid, did you write in school? Um, I used to make up stories as a young kid, you know, like a really young kid. But like, mm. but I, I never used to enter competitions or any, or any of that kind of stuff. No. Was you creative though with your writing as a kid? Um, oh, I think I've been creative with ideas always. Yeah, like, yeah. Idea wise, I think yeah. And what were you saying? Like, so as a youngster, what primary school? Um, primary school age, if and, and before, like literally, is oh, yeah. like potty age, which oh, really? was, which was secondary school for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, primary like. Like uh, I've, I've apparently always been really creative with re- reading as well. I think is a big one. Maybe you might want to know. Yeah, yeah. To note down. We're not recording this. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Oh this shit! Is, I, yeah, thought, yeah. I thought, I, thought was, <laughs> I didn't even realize you started recording. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I would say. So as a, it's basically what I'm trying to get at is there was some creativity there, was there? Yeah, there like was. The, yeah, there was creativity there. Um, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to think of what the the age. Re, my mum so I could. Apparently, the I used to have a problem with not getting off the potty because I'd just be reading so much, and I think that's a bit. I think the thing about reading, uh, oh sorry, writing, is that learning to write, I reckon, is as much about reading as it is about writing. Mm. So it's. I think it was more about the amount of books I used to consume rather than the amount of stories I tried to create. Mm. And the, but that didn't cross over into senior school then. No, because you just get to do other things, don't you? Rugby, and yeah, getting rejected by women. <laughs> <laughs> so then the um so then leaving school university yep so like i said the sixth form university with the idea of going into the army as an infantry officer yeah but then um iraq kicked off and i just didn't want to do that anymore i just wanted to be a go in and be a squaddy mm. kick some doors in that kind of thing yeah so yeah put that put the put the um like the writing thing wasn't even in my mind, to be honest. At that point, mate, like writing wasn't in my mind at all. All I all I wanted to do as a teenager was just go into. Once I'd gone through my fast jet pilot phase and realised that wasn't going to happen, then I just wanted to be just wanted to go in the infantry. I just wasn't thinking, just wasn't thinking about writing at all. Really. Yeah, I mean that side of life's really document, you know, really well documented. You, you know, your book, your um, your podcast as well. Like there's loads of stuff going on, there, so we're not going to go into that too much. But you did keep a diary when you was in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, kept a pretty, pretty detailed one. I filled up a couple of notebooks while I was out there. Mm. It's one of those things where when you're on tour, it's like the really interesting days are the ones that never really got written, like you, you, you had the least detail of, because you know, you're just too busy to write anything, and it's the days where there's not really much going on where you get time to sit down and write a lot, mm. and inevitably a lot of that would just be kind of complaining yeah. <laughs> about things that were going on and. Um, but I, I think the best, I think the best part of it was that if someone said anything that stuck out, whether that be a bit of banter or just something that stuck in my mind as, you know, being important, that was, that was really helpful to get that down, mm. you know, so that you I had those, I had those things. And it, so sometimes you read back 
you know, some words directly out of somebody's mouth that you took down in the moment. And that can then almost like re pulls you back into that moment. You know, it's like you're back in the room or back in the vehicle. Mm. Um, so that was really useful. That, that was that was really useful. Like those um, those journals. Like um, you know, I was talking to our mutual, let's call him a friend, Sean Jones. We mm. were <laughs> talking to him about the book, and he was saying that it felt like if, if there's a, like an immediacy there, like you feel like you, you know, like it was ri- written last week, and in effect, it kind of was because it was all you know, it was all written from the journals. And they were, you know, the journals were taken at the time, and it's going to be like it's going to be a challenge to write about Iraq because I don't have that kind of, um, you know, I don't have those journals from Iraq. I didn't do it there. It's just something I did in Afghanistan. It's probably something. I'm probably not the only person to be kicking myself about not keeping more detailed journals while I was on tour. You just forget, don't you? Which I think, to be honest, mate, it was one of those things. Like I was thinking as well. Like I went to the National Army Museum recently. Shout out to them, and um, there was a pair of like Oakley gloves, you know, in the in one of their display cases. I thought about my gloves, you know, and I thought I've had those for three tours and they looked all, you know, they were all just like totally stained and had the fingers cut off them and, you know, they had oil on them. And I thought, you know, these things have touched IEDs, they've been on a gun. And at the end of the tour, I just chucked them in the burn pit. And just, and uh, the other one is um, camera footage. I'm like, how, like all of us, we had some, we had some pretty, like, we didn't have loads of stuff, but we had some pretty cool, you know, like contact videos and stuff at the end of the tour. No one bothered to back them up. Yeah. And I, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure mine got wiped because I got a virus on my laptop. Not sure where that could have come from, but um, you know, like you just, just thinking like, why didn't I, why didn't I back up those on 500 different hard drives and stick them in safes in banks across the country? So just be like, I, mean, I think it's just at the time, you just assume that you're just going to do another one. It's so normal to you. Mm. It's only like looking back on it, you're like, oh, that wasn't actually a normal experience. Yeah. But when you're young and you're in your twenties and it's like your second, third tour or whatever, you're like, oh, well, this is just what we do. This is, this is normal. It's such a big part of history. And thankfully, you know, in the advent of social media and, and obviously media in general, it's documented really well. And the fact that there was body cams and all the rest mm. of it. So there is parts of it, but there's so much of this social history that, that will be lost. Yeah. And did, it, did a lot of blokes write journals when they were out? I think it's just me, to be honest with you. What what was the reason for that then? Why did you actually start doing that? I think I think there might have been something in my mind at that point that I did want to write about the tour. I think maybe after the maybe after Iraq, I'd realised. I think I may. I, and this is guesswork now, but I think I probably realised my mistake after Iraq. Mm. Um, and I probably because I did you know I did two tours there, and I probably thought, oh god, that was silly. I should have kept. You know, I think I probably like even being out of Iraq for six months was probably long enough for me to start reminiscing about it. And it was at that point that I probably realised, and this is like I said, guessing, but I'm just getting, you know, I think what probably happened is I was like, oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd documented that more. So, you know, going into Iraq, I, I, I think there, there was definitely a, I, I decided by that point, I was like, I do want to write a book. I am going to write a book about this. Because mm. um, I used to read so many war memoirs and things. I think, I think I just kind of got to that point in my life, mid-20s, where I started to have a bit more confidence that I could do things. If I said I was going to do something, I could do it, you know. And I was thinking, well, why can't I write? Why can't I write a war memoir? Mm. Um, and um, yeah, and look, the other thing about Afghanistan was there wasn't much distraction, was there? If you're in a patrol base in the middle of nowhere with no electronics or anything like that, it's back to basics. And one of those things that's good to like. I enjoyed. I did enjoy writing blueies when I was on tour. When I was in Iraq, I enjoyed writing blueies in Afghanistan. Um, but so yeah, let, let, letters back home. Yeah, letters back yeah. home. Yeah. So it's just kind of an extension of that, really. 
mm. you know, but you can be a bit more honest than you you know than you are in a bluey. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, I you know, just when you're talking then, I there's a hundreds of blueys in my loft actually, um, that are just in a box. Right. And, and yeah, I've not even looked at them. It's probably I've not great looked at them for fifteen yes. years. I, I had a look through. So I had a, a look through ours when I was putting the book together to think: is there anything that I've missed in here? Mm. And there were some really, um, there's some really useful bits and pieces in there. Because obviously, people are getting a sanitized version of things, but that in itself is an interesting one. You know, like on a day I got blown up, I got, day I got blown up, and we had casualties, and you know, really bad day. That day I wrote a bluey home when we got to Musicala. And it's just really kind of like weird looking at it, thinking like, I know what happened before this, but I thought if my family were reading this, they wouldn't have a clue. Because mm. I'm just talking about call, uh, talking about Call of Duty and um, asking them to record the NFL for me. And I'm thinking like, they're going to have no idea. Like, they don't know what happened that morning. You know, a couple of hours before I wrote that letter. But I think you could see in that letter as well, I think you could see I was suffering from a concussion because it's like, it's all over the place, which might just be what my writing is. But it's, you know, what it's, um, there's one paragraph, I'm about a paragraph in it and it just, I just kind of say like, gosh, this is taking me like 40 minutes to write, you know? And I, I don't think, I don't think I realized then that we probably were suffering with like, you know, concussions, co- you know, coupled with, you know, a bit of heat exhaustion and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And like, I mean, I can write a book in a month. I don't know why it took me, <laughs> it took me hours to write a, a, a page of a letter. Yeah. The, um, who was you writing the Bluey's home to? Your mum? No, that one was to my brother. I did write them home to my parents, and then yeah. I had some to, to friends, and then I had some to my brothers. Yeah. Did you collect all them then? Have you have you read all everything you've sent Not back? Not everything back. Not to friends, but the ones to my family I have to. The ones to the family I have to. Yeah. Um, but you know what? The ones to the family are very kind of, you know, there's not really much useful information in there. It's it's like when it, in, in terms of like trying to put a book together, it's it's stuff like... Oh, it's really hot out here. Yeah, everything's cool. Eating ration packs. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's that, it's that kind of stuff. You know, mm. it's, it's nothing like Charlie's in the trees kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose even like small snippets would be able to like evoke yeah. emotion. I mean, that, to be honest, the, 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 journals, the journal's the best for those. You know, mm. the, journal's re- the journal's really good for that. Like the journal, you can still see like, you can see the sweat and the grime and the dust in it and all that kind of stuff. And it's, the journal, yeah, the journal's good for it. The journal does kind of take you back. A real piece of history. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty alley there. Be worth a lot of money one day. <laughs> Don't definitely, definitely, mate. Yeah, they're, they're really cool though, mate. Like, it's one of those things that, like, you kind of value your possessions differently as you get a bit older and wiser or whatever. And I just think, like, I, you know, those are the kind of things of, you know, it's nice to have a, well, I say that, I've got a watch, but I'm sure it's nice to have a nice watch um, for a nice car and all that. But then something like that, you know, they're just irreplaceable. You know, something like yeah. that is just irreplaceable. Yeah. Mate, yeah, I agree. The um, When you got, what year was that? 2009 in Afghan. 2009, so it wasn't until really 2015 when you started taking writing seriously. Yeah, 2015 I started writing it up. It's when I was working on ships, doing ship security. Mm. All of a sudden I had like a bit of time, you know, quite a bit of time on my hands. I'd started to write, I think it was probably end of 2013. Uh, end of 2013, I think I started to try, I tried to start to try and write for the first time, but I wasn't writing books. I was trying to write screenplays because I thought, I'll get rich doing this. And, <laughs> uh, so I started, yeah, I started doing the screenplays. And um, then it was just, it, I don't know, it just seemed like, well, what, what kind of happened was with the screenplays is, um, 
it turned out that I could, I was quite good at writing them because I, I as, and I was a novice as well, but it was, I was decent at doing them. And I actually started, I started to shop a couple around in, in LA and I got some interest in one of them and um, things started moving along. And I thought, wow, this is, this is easy. I don't know what everyone's been complaining about. <laughs> and I thought I'm going to be a millionaire in no time. And um, it was, um, you know, just everything looked great. And I was taking meetings, you know, I was taking meetings at these great companies and, then this one company were like, yeah, we want to work with you on this idea of yours. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a TV show. This is this is amazing. And then one day they were just like, actually, yeah, we're not, don't want to do this anymore. And I thought, God, this, I've just put six months into this. And I don't, you don't see any money for that kind of that time, you know, because you're just developing this idea. Like, I mean, there are development projects and stuff people get. But for someone at my level, I thought this this could happen every year. I could, someone could say yes. We could work on it a bunch. Then they could say no, and I'll never see any money for it. And I thought, I don't want to do ship security forever, even if I did think the industry was going to last forever, which, you know, I didn't think it would. Um, so I thought, well, I thought if at least I thought if I did a bit more research into it, and I thought, well, because the problem with, with writing screenplays is your barriers to entry. It's really hard to get in past the gatekeepers, you know, who are, you know, the, they basically, they don't, they don't accept unsolicited material anywhere. Mm. So if you haven't been to a film school and if you don't have people in the industry that you know, I mean, I was lucky that I just have, I know I met, you know, I made friends when I was in, um, in the States, you know, visiting there and they helped me with some contacts. But, you know, I was starting for a position of not knowing anybody really. I was very lucky that there was like a, you know, a guy, this guy, uh, Ray, you know, shout out to him. He was, you know, he used to be a producer with Sony and he'd take, to, he, you know, he took some time out to mentor me. And I was very, you know, I just got really lucky that I met some very good people who were, you know, willing to help me. Um, uh, but, but, sorry, look, looks one thing, but you you had created the material. Like that, I think that we have to, do, I, I yeah, just want to interject there because I think you're playing yourself down. If, if you don't create the material first, yeah. Then you're not in a position where that look the you know yeah and look here's the other come. thing as well mate is I was putting all of my money into flying to America to go to LA to go to these places mm. like it wasn't coincidence that I was going into these places in LA where all my money was going into so no you're right I am playing that down like I was going halfway across the world to try and make it happen yeah there's a lot of work that's yeah that was I didn't bump into him in Wrexham yeah. um so yeah it was a lot of work going into it but um it it is uh, I just realised you know what like if I write a book. If even if I you know if, if if I write a book, it's going to see the light of day. I can be the person that makes it see the light of day. Even if I don't get a publisher on board, there's still ways to get it done with a screenplay. You you know screenplay looking at millions of dollars really even for like a even for like a lower production one. Like there's some of these the budgets of the of some of these things I was writing. The budgets would be like fifty to a hundred million. That's not getting done on your own. It's not getting done with two people. It's it requires mm. studios on board. You've got to get past so many different hurdles to get it done. Which doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. But I thought let's be realistic about this. You know, this is it's because the thing is, well, I'm not American, so I can't live and work in America. I think things would be different if I I probably have kept going down the screenplay route if I had because I could have taken a job as in L.A. as a lot of people don't and keep going down that track. But for me, I could only visit L.A. Mm. Um, so I thought, right, well, I need my work, my writing time to go into something that's going to give me a higher chance of success. Now, it might be like the success that comes back from it might be less financially or it might be less glitz and glamour. But I thought if I write a book, I'm going to back myself that it will get published. So at the very least, I'm getting a return on my work. So um, 
I thought, well, why? right, what could I write? And I thought, well, I've got two notebooks full of notes from Afghanistan here. I've always wanted to write a war memoir. Why don't I write a war memoir? Mm. And that's how I, st- I started, by literally just writing up the anecdotes, for, like, by expanding on the anecdotes. Um, so going from, say, half a page in a notebook to a chapter. Started doing that, started listening to, at the time, I still hadn't lost most of my videos and stuff from Afghan, so I'd listen to the audio back, pick out the pick out the dialogue, you know, make some notes on terrain, all that. And I didn't have a structure for the book at first. I just started writing the anecdotes and just gradually it just started to, the, the, the feel of it started to come through. And, and I was thinking like, well, what else, what, what's, what's nobody done in a war memoir that I've said? You know, and I thought, I've never seen anybody, um, I've never seen anybody sprinkle in throughout the book these kind of like flash forwards of what's going to happen after the tour. Because the thing about writing a war memoir, everyone knows you come through it, or you wouldn't be writing the book. Mm. And if you've lost a leg or whatever, publishers like to plaster that all over the cover. So there's no, there's no kind of um, surprises from there. So I thought, look, people know I survived this book, but what they might not know is what happens after the tour. So I started by pl- placing these little snippets of flash forwards throughout the book. Um, and then eventually... Um, you know, over time that expanded into, you know, basically a, a, a quite a large section at the back of the book, which is about how things went bad after the tour and then how things went better. And I thought, and I still don't think that anybody else has really done that with the kind of honesty that I have. Mm. There's been people that have mentioned PTSD and that kind of stuff because it kind of ticks a box now in the marketing strategy. But I don't think that anybody had kind of gone to the level of honesty that I had with it. And I think that's kind of what... You know, with any project, you should always be looking at, right, what, why you? Why, what makes you? Because there's thousands of soldiers out there with thousands of stories, each one of them valid for its own reasons. And I thought, well, what makes, what is it that I can bring to the table? I'm not Victoria Cross winner. I'm not a double amputee. I'm not, you know, mm. haven't rowed across the ocean or anything. So I thought, well, what I can do is I could just be totally honest about my experience, which, to be honest, I don't think, I, don't, I personally haven't come across before is, is just an absolute total honesty. And I, I, I understand why, because, you know, for a lot of people, they have an image to maintain. They, especially people, if they work in the corporate sector, it's not okay to say that you high-fived your mate after you shot someone. That's not something that most people can say. I'm lucky that I work for myself and I'm an author and, you know, I don't have to answer to a boss because a lot of people's books, they come out, they're not full-time authors. You know, these are people that are working for other people. I thought, work for myself. I've only got to answer to myself. I'm just, I'm continuing to write for the rest of my life, I I think. And um, and I thought, well, that gives me a unique position that I can, you know, I can leverage that. I can I can leverage total honesty. It can be my selling point. I mean, it, it gives um, authenticity as well. And you're very authentic about what, what you put out there. You don't hold back a lot of the time, especially on things like your podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Like you are um, you almost like, you know, at the kind of cold face in the book, but but on the cold face of being true to yourself yeah. as well and, and true to that, the community of um, what you're part of. The Just take it back to the, um, the kind of planning phase of the book. Mm. You just said it was just words. You just started writing. This this one was mate. Yeah, I mean, I've written. Um, I think I'm going on. Ten, I think I'm going on ten books now. Nine or ten books that I've written now. Um, you know, I've got. Uh, I've got. I think seven published now. Mm. I've got seven seven or eight published, and then there's another one coming out in October. 
Uh, and then I've got another two that I've already written, which I'm going to publish over the next Are they all fiction? nine months. Fiction, non-fiction, it's a mix. Oh, okay. But yeah. this one is very personal to you, this memoir. This, this you know, one bro- is here. Brothers in Arms is, but this is your is, memoir. As far as, yeah, as far as planning goes, this one is the anomaly. This, this, Because this one literally just came from how I felt on the day. Like, so, you know, there's chapters in there where there's chapters in there that I wrote years ago and there's chapters that I wrote just before going to publishing. Mm. That was kind of all over the place. You know, it's not the way that I usually write. The way that I usually write is very regimented. Mm. How would um, you do that now? How would, well, you, how would you plan that now? This, 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 this Afghan book, mate, is, is, it wasn't planned and, that, and I don't think I'd want to plan it. Mm. So it's reflective of the different the stages of my life. Like there was, mate, there was, there was some of this book was written where the only thing I was planning on was where to get drugs from. So I wasn't planning books, you know, I'm planning right out where am I going to get money to get off my face. Mm. So there definitely wasn't any grand strategizing or anything like that now. All the other books I've done have been very different. They've been very, they've been very like kind of like strategically planned and tactically executed. This was like, this is, I don't have kids. This is as close as I think I get, I have to a kid where it wasn't planned. And it's, I'm kind of like, I kind of felt my way through, through with things as it happened. I was, you know, kind of getting to, to grips with it, but it's, um, it's not how I would recommend going about it, it's not how I would recommend going about doing a book, to be honest. Mm. But the other thing as well with it, mate, was market forces at the time is when, when I first took this to publishers, they were like, yeah, we love it, but there's not a market for military books right now. So that meant that it sat with, you know, that meant that it sat in the project cupboard for a couple of years. Uh, as, a, as a result, I think that benefited it because I got to add some chapters of me coming out the other end rather than it just finishing in the dark place. Mm. So I think it benefited from that. But it would would have been a different book if the market forces had been good two years ago. Uh, it like right now, you know, right now we just come. I think we're coming to an end, to be honest. Now of a wave of books like you know Brian Woods, uh, Brian Woods being there, you know, obviously your Aunt Middleton's. You know, there's been a lot of military books in the last couple of years, and um, I think that this. I think we're going to start to see that drawing down a bit now. Mm. Um, you know, like it's like anything in business and, and, and the arts, you know, things come in waves, things become fashionable. The, the, what, I mean, the one thing about you, though, is you write for other people as well. Yep. And, and you also, um, you're making a business out of this. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it, it, it's not a one-off. Yeah. You know, it's again and again and again. The, the writing process then, come away from the memoir for yep. a second. So, the writing process, you talk about like discipline and regimented mm-hmm. and whatnot. What would it take then for, if someone's listening, what would be the, the, the kind of the planning and then the writing of producing something? Well, one of the things I think people fall down, there's, well, there's, there's, two, there's two, two, big pit, pit, um, or, or two big problems that I see with people with it when it comes to books. The first one is people will ask me and they ask other people, how do I get published? And my question is always, have you written the book? To which the answer is usually no. So people worry about publishing before they worry about writing. And that's like a big mistake. Now, I'm a big believer in visualization. And if you want to picture your book at number one on the charts, and then I'm all for that. But if you're doing that, then you have to... So if you're, if you're thinking about your book being number one in the charts, then you're acknowledging that you want your book to be a commercial success. Well, if you want your book to be a commercial success, then you need to approach it as a professional. And a professional doesn't go asking people about 
getting uh, you know how to get published when they haven't even written a book i mean that's like saying how do i you know um how am i going to lift the world cup in the in the rugby world cup and i haven't started passing a ball around i mean it's 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 pretty ridiculous to be honest and when you say that you just make yourself look stupid i'm just being honest if you if you ask that to someone you've already like there's a you only get one first impression with people and if someone asks me that i'm still going to try and help that person but I, I've shifted them into the amateur category mm. rather than this is somebody who's got... Because sometimes people approach me, this guy, I'm not going to name him on here recently, me and him have been having some good chats. People know him on Instagram and stuff. Me and him have been chatting and I think he can genuinely he, he write a great book that will be successful commercially. But I knew straight away, right, this is a guy who's got what it takes to be a commercial success. Whereas if someone's just like, how do I get a book published? Have you written the book? No, then that's, you know, that's... That's a a, a a warning. The other thing is people, um, people, I for some reason think that you can just jump into doing a book and figure it out as you go along, which you know is is it's nuts for for any business. Like you wouldn't, if you wanted to say have a retail store selling clothes, you don't just open a or well, you shouldn't just open a shop that hasn't got any um, any stock in or any, you know, you haven't built up any any um, awareness that this shop is coming or anything. You just open up a shop and occasionally you chuck a couple of T-shirts in there on a rack. I mean, that business is going to fail. Writing a book is, is no different. You can't just have this thing of you don't know where the books are. Let, let's, let's talk fiction here because I think this is probably the common one. People just start writing and they think, that the book is going to figure itself out as it goes along. I mean, that is an absolute recipe mm. for disaster. The problem is, is you'll get occasionally some big author, um, like let's say a Lee Child, will say, oh, I don't have a plan. I just start writing and I figure it out as I go along. Well, here's the difference. Lee Child has been writing for probably over 30 years. So even though he doesn't, he might not have a plan in paper, he's done it so many times that he has a plan in his head. And, you know, without knocking his books, because I enjoy them, his books are very formulaic, right? So as are most books, as are my books, his books are formulaic. So once you've done it a bunch of times, you don't need necessarily the same detailing on paper. But the other thing that he, the other advantage he gets is that he gets paid a lot of money as an advance for each book. Uh, And he only needs to write one book a year and it's his full-time job. So if things don't go well for him, he has the time and the money to to throw that idea in the bin and go back and start from the beginning, like he can he can do that process if it's enjoyable for him because he has the you know he's in, in a position to be able to do so. Most people not in that position. Most people trying to get into writing are going to be writing um, around their job and around their family. You know, it's not going to be you you're you're, you're not going to come in and get paid. And and here's the other thing as well. I just throw this in there. If you're expecting to get a massive advance for writing books. Um, it's probably not going to happen. It's definitely not going to happen straight off the bat for 99.9% of people, right? You have to look at this as this is a essentially a hobby that you hope you're going to get paid for. So it's, got, it's something that you're going to be working around your family. Or not. Mm. Some people write but for other reasons as well, yeah, for, like for, therapeutic reasons or abs- business reasons. Yeah, There's a lot of different and So I'll, I'll come on to those. But if you're writing because you want to get published... So if you're writing, you want to get published commercially, this is what, this applies to you. Like if you're writing therapeutic, my advice would be, do, there is no right or wrong way of doing it. Just do whatever makes you feel happy. 
But if you're writing with the aim of getting published and you want a publisher and you're going to take this into the business side of things, then you need to be smart with your time and you need to be you need to plan, right? So I think one pe- one problem people have is if you, if you don't go into a book, you like you should know going into the book what is your book about? And now that sounds so obvious, but a lot of people that they might have just an idea of a character. But what is the book about? What are you trying to tell people? What is the message you're going to try and get across? What is the story you're taking, you know, people on? Um, so if you are starting with, um, if you, let's say you've got this idea of a really interesting character, well, that's great, but you, you don't just want to follow a character around. The character needs to be on a mission. You know, is the character's mission to get something back? Is the character's mission to find something? Is the character's mission to stop something happening? You know, there needs to be a clearly defined mission, just like you don't just go, right, we're going to go on patrol and we're going to wander, we're going to aimlessly wander around. You know, it's right, we're going to go on patrol because we're going to go to the mosque. So and we're the gonna, objective so is there. Exactly, there yeah. needs to be an objective. Then what you need to do, so like figure that out in, a, in one sentence, figure out what your book is about. You should be able to still distill that book about. So this is a book about a man who has a podcast that saves the world, right? So you start as simple as that and then expand it to a paragraph. So this is a podcast about a man who saves the world with his podcast and uh, across, on the way he has to do such and such and such and such and that, and that happens and this happens and in the end, this happens. Mm. And you keep expanding so you keep it, keep expanding and then expand to a page and you should be able to condense your whole story into the page. So who are the main characters going to be? All the main twists and turns. So a lot of people struggle because they'll get halfway through the book and then realize, oh God, this doesn't make sense because there's something that, you know, something just doesn't add up or some person was in the, it's impossible for these people to be in the right place, the same place at the same time or a glaring plot hole that if you'd have just worked out at the beginning, mm. you could have worked it out at that stage. Does that go then? Because we said fiction there, but does that go for non-fiction as well? I, I think for non-fiction, it it works. It it, it to, to works have, too, to have right? that to have that pitch. That pitch yeah. basically, you're you're pitching to yourself, yeah, or you're you're giving it to you or me or whoever else, and said, "Do you understand that book?" Yes, in one page, like a thousand words, covering ab- the full ab- book. Ab- absolutely, and then you should go a step further, which is then break down chapter by chapter everything that happens in each chapter. So. Chapter one, Gez goes into a shop and sees his book and um, has a heart attack because somebody's drawn a moustache on him, right? That, that'd be chapter one, right? And you, it could be a sentence mm. like that. And you could go through it each chapter. And then what you've, what you've done then is you've making sure that your story runs smoothly, that like all your twists, your twists make sense, your turns make sense. If it's a nonfiction book, what you're looking for in nonfiction is, like let's say in nonfiction your book is... Um, you know, you're writing something about, um, let's say, Roman history, that you're, you know, you're doing the complete Roman history. Well, you might notice if you do a chapter by chapter breakdown, oh God, I've missed that 100 years here. You know, you know, so you, you, you just, you, you're looking at it to give yourself a, the, the, the chance right now to make sure that all your bases are covered, everything makes sense. All the twists, turns, every, all of that stuff, it all stacks up. And if it doesn't, now's your chance to work on it. And then you can start adding a bit of clay to this. Mm. So if you think, oh, that would be a really great thing for him to say here, or, oh, your car chase would be really good here, or, uh, or 
Um, you know what? I think this is where he needs to, you know, he probably needs to meet a new character here, you know, to spice the story up. He has a love interest. Are you, are you physically writing that out then? And like, physically you know, writing I, it out, mate. Fleshing it, it out. Does it need to make sense at that point? Yeah, needs everything needs... Like, no, no, what I mean is like, are you looking at grammar? Are you looking at kind of spelling? Are you I don't, I don't bother it? about that even as I write the book. Yeah. Mate, I'm not, I'm not even bothered about that. That's what I mean, at this point in, this, in the writing process, it's just about getting... I think what people, what people mis- misconstrue is writing a book is telling a story. It's not being grammatical. Okay, so fiction, right? Fiction is, is telling a story and entertaining people, right? You don't, your grammar doesn't need to be perfect. What, you need, what needs to be close to perfect is your ability to sell a story. You'll get help later on from editors and that's what I'm getting people. at. So yeah. that process at yeah. this stage, it's just don't worry about... about that. Your job, your job as a fiction writer is to entertain people and tell a story. Mm. Um, same with fiction. You know, with fiction, if I said to if I said to you right now um, a fact about um, if I said to you a fact about um, the Second World War, and um, and as I said it, I said Winston Churchill instead of Churchill, would that stop that fact sinking in with you? Well, yeah, I'll just forget out. I yeah. would remember that bit. Yeah, okay, but what I mean is, it's like so. If, if, but what I mean is, you. Oh, I see what, I see what yeah, yeah, but like you'd yeah, still know what I was yeah, talking yes, about. Sorry, Apple. yeah, you know what I was talking yeah, yeah. about. You, you wouldn't go, who was Winston? Winston Smirchill. Never heard of him. You'd go, oh, he's on about Winston Churchill. Yeah, yeah. So same thing as you're, you're plotting out your nonfiction. As long as it makes sense to you. At that point, it doesn't matter. And also, about it is about mistakes. you, isn't it? At this point, because no, no one else is reading it at this stage. And no funnily one's enough, seen like, this. so I, I produced a book very much about our business, totally different to yours. And it was it was good to hear what you just said then. So what I did originally was come up with, funnily enough, I came up with the title, the subtitle, and what it was all about. Mm-hmm. So what you said, like the initial pitch, like all right, that, so that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me, ma'am. That makes sense to me, mate. Like people understand it. Then I wrote a thousand yeah. words going from, from the start to the finish. And that changed and we adapted mm-hmm. it over time. Like you said, we, we tweaked it and we made it a little bit um, more cl- clearer. Sorry, made it clearer. Um, and then I got 50 crib cards and we wrote every chapter yeah. on a crib card and then we had a, a stack then. And then we started adding all the information from there and that was the outplanning. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, you're outlining. You're, you're outlining. And like I said, this is very different to if you're just writing for therapy... Write whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, right? Because that's a totally different... But that's the difference The difference between writing and ther- for therapy and the difference between writing to get published. It's like the difference between kicking a ball around with your mates for a laugh and, you know, drilling every day on your drills because you want to make a, you know, you want to make a professional team. Mm. You know, it's, it's the same thing. You're kicking a football around, but the aim is very different and therefore the execution Would you, even if you... Just a... Um... A question to yourself now: If 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 you wasn't getting published, mm-hmm. or the aim wasn't to get published as such, because you can still print and, and yeah. publish, self-publish, would you still write if, in that kind of regimented if, if you're way getting, to get if you want to get there, self-published, high quality? Yeah, if you want to get self-published um, and you want to be successfully self-published, then you need to approach it as if you were going to a publisher's, because those are the people like your people. That's the standard they expect. So if, you know, we were talking before we came on camera, like uh, or on the mic, sorry. If someone gives you a self-published book and the image on the cover is low resolution and it's rubbish and the book looks cheaply printed and, you know, you open it up and you can see that it's not being properly typeset, it just says amateur. And 
it depends again what your aim is. Like if your aim is, you know, you just want to write a book that you can give to your kids, then that that, that doesn't really matter. But if you want to sell copies of a book, you have to meet the industry standard or it, to be honest, exceed the industry standard because you're going to have, you're not going to have the marketing of the, um, a publishing house behind you. Mm. So you have to be even better than your, your competition. And it's totally possible to do that. But you have to like the, I, I don't know what it is. It's a weird thing about writing that people think that they can just pick it up and do it without putting in the reps. You know, it's the same as anything else. You have to do your repetitions. Mm. Um, you know, like, it, like I come back to the thing of people thinking about the deal before they've got the book. I mean, where else would you, where else would people have the arrogance really to think, oh, I can just do this and it will get published. Like, um, you know, I really recommend to people that as well as the, this out, you know, so like this outline is, this outlining stage could take months and months and months to do, to get it, to get it done. But you know what, if you get it done properly, when you then come to write it, you'll write, you'll, you'll get the book written so much faster because you've already got it's this just great plan- it, You're planning. Exactly. It's the, it's the planning phase. And just to think, move us on to writing then, and we talk about the reps. So you want to lift heavier weights, there's a structure to it, you plan your training program, you then start implementing the plan and you might tweak it and change it, but you have to get the reps in. The writing process itself, so the advice you'd give on a write, to to actually physically write, are you you doing writing at the same time every day, like in the same place with the same pen or the same laptop? Like what is kind of your best practice to write in I think just getting information just there's, getting it there's down best, there's best practice um, for it's probably going to be different for everyone for me um, for me it, it's, it it differs a little bit but what I found is um, I like to I like to smash a book in a short period of time so I'll have my outline good to go and then I'll look at the calendar I think right this 30 day period looks like it's going to be quite quiet this is now my dedicated period to write this book uh, during that period, I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to be have much of a social life or anything like that. But I'm going to get up uh, at a reasonable time in the morning, say six, seven o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to come downstairs and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write for the first few hours of the day. And in those first few hours, I'll have hit my word count for the day. So I'll average, say, a thousand words an hour. Mm. So in the first three hours of the day, I've done 3,000 words. Now I can walk away then for the rest of the day. I don't have to do anymore. I can do and go and do whatever I want for the rest of the day. Then it's done. I feel good about it. I'm not editing at that point. I'm just written it. It's done. It's leave. I'm leaving it as it is. I'm not going back over it or anything. Um, and this is how I did my last book. Like other books, I've done differently, but this is the one I'm finding works best for me now. Now, if I'm really feeling it that day and I'm really enjoying writing, so it's not a case of I can do more now. Obviously, I can do more. My hands haven't fallen off. My house hasn't collapsed on top of me. I can keep writing. But if I just if I'm not feeling it, then I'll go. I'll go to the gym. I'll go for a walk. Go on the mountain. I'll go um, go and see family. I'll watch TV for a day. You know, I'll just do whatever. But by sitting down first thing in the morning. Oh, and here's the main thing: before I go to bed, phones on airplane mode and do not disturb. Does not come back on until those words get done. Because mm. as soon as that happens, that's when all the distractions come in. What I found is if I literally go from my bed to the pisser to the to the chair and start writing. I do intermittent fasting as well, so I don't have to worry about breakfast in the morning. So I, there's not that. I'm just I'm literally just sitting down with. Um, you, you're basically cutting out a lot of the distraction. Cutting out all distraction because as soon as you start that distraction, for me, the other thing as well is personally, I find, and I know this might be different for other people, but I find I'm very creative in the morning, first thing in the morning. 
you know, I usually wake up, I've got different music, I've got music in my head, I've got ideas in my head. Um, now, if there's a morning where, say for instance, I wake up and I can see the sun coming up and it's beautiful outside, I might say, oh, well, I'll go for a walk. But the same rules have to apply. No going on your phone. Like, you know, you can go for, I can go for a walk, but not allow myself to, I can get distracted by a sunrise, but the sunrise is only going to last for so long and it's not going to be asking me to text it and phone mm. it and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's actually quite a, like a, a growth promoting and nourishing yeah, kind mate, of thing feels, to do Yeah, it feels as well. amazing. And to be it's, honest, what I find if I do like that short 30 minute walk is I'm thinking about the writing for the day. So when I sit, when I do sit down there and bump, I'm into it. So I kind of give myself a little leeway on that one. But the ones that you can give yourself leeway on, phone has to be off. And um, hitting having your word, your word count, it doesn't have to be 3,000 words. It could be 500 words, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But doing that and then knowing then, right, that's it for the day. I've won the day. You know, you've won the day by 7, 8 o'clock in the morning and then walk away from, you know, walk away from it. But like, I've, I've done days before. I've done 8,000 words in a day before because I've just been really feeling it. And I haven't wanted to, I haven't wanted to stop. Mm. There's been other days where it's been really hard to get that two, because what, what I usually set as my limit is 2000 because I used to do three, but then I find that it, I would, that last, that extra thousand, sometimes it was be, because some, we, we all have good and bad days. If I'm writing a book over 30 days, every, every like there's going to be distractions in those days. I might be distracted by, I might've had something happen the day before with money that distracted me mm. or with a relationship, you know, that, so there's going to be some mornings where it's going to be harder to do, but 2000, I feel is attainable for me. The, um, I, I, know, I know lots of people have wrote books for their businesses and, um, some people have got busy businesses, like maybe one, two, three different things, you know, um, kind of enterprises going on a busy family life. And all they do is they almost do it like a blog. They treat it like a blog and they write the next 250 mm-hmm. words that built over again and again and again and again and again. And what I'm getting from you, mate, that's that's what I'm taking from you, yeah. is is the fact that you've just got to get disciplined yeah. and regiment. If you want to create something at the end, you've got to put the reps well, in. Mate, think about this, all right. If you're writing a book and you don't really know where the book is going and you've got, let's say, let's say you've managed to carve out an hour in, an hour in your morning, you've managed to carve out for writing. Let's say you don't know where your book is going, you know, because you haven't outlined. You're going to sit down and most of that hour is going to be wondering like, oh, well, what does happen next mm. and stuff. If you sit down, you've got your outline. It's right. This is where I got to yesterday. This is the next part. I've already outlined it. I know what I, I know what's happening. Now I just have to write. So there's no wasted time. There's no sitting there chewing your pen. It's already laid out there and you're just coming in. It's like you've got the skeleton and you're coming in. Right. What do I need to cover up today? Okay. The arm. And you start putting the flesh on the arm. Right. Whereas if you don't have that plan, people are going to sit there and once you start thinking oh now i've only got 30 minutes left now i've only got 15 minutes left of course nothing's going to get done mm. so uh, that's why the outline is so important the, the, and the, having the plan so like for me the the 30 to 50 crib cards ended up being like if i want and a man is very much it's very different to, to your kind of stuff but if i want feeling like that particular subject i would move on to another one and i'd write the thousand words on that there was no like i think that can work for non-fiction yeah, i, I, I so, don't recommend yeah. i don't recommend it with fiction i it depends how, to be honest, it depends on experience. Like I can, I, I'm at a position in fiction now where I can do that. Like I can go off and go, if I, let's say I've, I had an idea. I went, let's say, I, let's say I did go for a walk in the morning and I had an idea for, you know, cause I already know what the scenes are going to be, mm. but I had some dialogue come into my head 
I think because um, one, it's my full time job, and you know, I've I've written a lot of projects by now. I can, you know, I can write that one that's down the line and go back to the others. I do not recommend that for people that are starting out in fiction. Nonfiction, one hundred percent nonfiction. You can jump around a lot more. Mm. Nonfiction is a bit more of a jigsaw. Whereas you're going to make each of your pieces, and then it's all going to fit together quite straightforward. You know, like every, every story is in its is in its way a jigsaw, but with fiction, you've got very clearly defined chapters, right? Mm. Uh, and and that can piece together. You know, like nonfiction doesn't have to be as linear. Because, like really. you know, like your your book, Brothers in Arms, that 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 almost sounded chaotic the way you was writing that. Yeah, well, backwards. I mean, forwards, it was a chaotic part of my life, mate. Yeah, yeah, and it reflect, and that was reflected. In the writing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, everything about my life right then was chaotic. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, this this stuff is supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be, um, you know, this, this right, you know, I don't believe in writer's block. I, I, I think a lot of people stress themselves out about this and I'm trying to, by having these kind of routines and practices, find the least stressful way of, you know, it, it shouldn't be something that, I hate seeing memes and stuff by writers about how hard it is and how horrible it is. And it's it's like, hey, don't get me wrong. If you're writing about a tragic part of your life, it will get emotionally, it will be emotionally tough, but it will also be emotionally rewarding. But writing fiction or a nonfiction book about business should be fun. Mm. It should be fun. If it's like, it's, and, and, and you've got to look at, you know, it, how to, like, it's like going to the gym. If If people don't make time in their day for when they're going to go to the gym, then they start to get stressed because, oh, God, I'm not going to get down to the gym today. I can't believe me blooming kids wouldn't, you know, couldn't get out. Of and it starts, something that's supposed to be a release for you starts to become the stress inducer rather than the stress release. Um, so, I, yeah, so I got, I got a new word for this stuff, actually. It's called uh, anti-demons is my new thing. A lot of people have antioxidants. So I've got anti-demons now. So one anti-demon would be the gym, but another would be writing. So if one of your little anti-demons is causing you more stress than it's releasing then you need to go back and have a look at how to do it. And I just think that, you know, planning in anything is just so important and overlooked. And, um, you know, same same as, I think the gym is a great, like, kind of analogy for it. It's, yeah, you can go in and you can just, you can go in and you can just kind of, like, faff around or whatever and have no plan. But if you have a, if you have a plan, that's, if you have a plan and you know, right, I'm going to go in the gym today, this is exactly what I'm going to do, Bum, bum, bum. I'm going to do this as a warm-up. I'm going to get on the bench. I'm going to do this. This is the weight I'm going to do. Those are the best sessions you have. And it's the same with writing. Like, if you know what you're going to do going into it and you've got it planned, you know, you have a great session. And I believe momentum is so important in life. So if you build the daily practice of, like, you've, let's say you've done 10 days in a row. You've done your 500 words, like you said you were going to do. You can see you're working your way through the outline. Mm. So there's a real measure of progress there. And then you're building up your momentum. You know, it's it's going to get, you're going to want to keep going and keep going. If, on the other hand, your momentum has been three mornings you didn't get up out of bed to start writing. Another day you got up and started, like, messing around on your phone and then you realised your writing time was over. Another day, because you haven't outlined, you just stared at the screen. Like, what kind of momentum is that building? It's just a negative kind. And that's why people keep giving up. It's, it's, it's good, mate. And I think that, we're, you know, we've covered a lot there. And we've got a lot on planning. And I think, like anything, that planning phase needs to be thorough. It needs to have direction. Um, and it needs to be really clear and simple to implement as well. Because the, the more complex something is, the less likely you're going to do it. Like, the more barriers you put in place, the more phone apps you've got open and you're doing it, mm-hmm. the more excuses. And it doesn't have yeah. to be, I'm giving permission 
people now to like if you have got busy lives it doesn't have to be in the morning it doesn't have to be in the morning it can be in the evening it can you just got to like you said you keep momentum it's really excellent advice going up from we finished the first draft do you then re- review it and go for a second draft yeah so i just got to say one thing as well i forgot to answer on earlier you know talking about favorite pens and all that kind of stuff that is to me as well is just another way of finding people finding excuses to then not do the work for the day mm. so it's like if that is going to bother you get rid of all the pens in your house and just buy one kind or whatever or but don't worry about oh i've got a right on it i use google docs to do to do my writing like you don't need anything fancy you don't need a certain kind of notepad or this pen just you know bloody do it um so yeah as far as uh, second drafts go so basically what i do is mate as and again this comes down to planning again everything goes back to planning mate and the reason why is because i usually have very little work to do on my second draft because it's everything got worked out in the planning mm. so i'm not going to go for, i'm going to not I'm not going to sit down and go all right time to read it back now there's going to be no oh that doesn't add up because it was all sorted out in the planning all i'm doing when i read back through it is i'm going oh well i could well oh, that could so that sentence could make more sense if i wrote it this way or that could have been a better way of saying it or you know, I think um, personally, I overwrite a bit, so it's trimming back on, th- you know, trimming back on a bit of a writing. Do you do that? I do. I do that yeah. myself first. Basically, mate, when I submit my manuscript to a publisher, I almost want the editor to be redundant. I don't like, and, and by so, what people need to understand is the difference between an editor who gives you the kind of the creative advice and input. So, you know, um, they might say, "Well, I'd like to see more of this character," or "I'd like to see less of this." or I'd like the tension to be ratcheted up here. And then there's an editor who, the copy editors, they're the ones who go through picking out mistakes and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So you need so to the copy, there's a copywriter and then there's the uh, editor who's yeah, helping you, you produce yeah, it. Exactly. You need to understand there's a difference between the two. And what I want from my editors, who are the, like, the, let's call them the created editors, mm. I want as little feedback as possible from them um, when I've written the book. And that's because... I want to have done a really good job of the book. Now, where I want, and I will show my outlines to editors because that to me is the time to get the, the where to get really other people's opinions on the story is at the outline stage. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, missing spelling mistakes and all that, I don't give, I don't really give a crap about that. Like I mm. want, I want to clean that up because I want to minimize their work, but I'm not getting hung up on that. Yeah. You know, what I'm getting hung up on is the story, the characters, the pace, you know, the tension, all that kind of stuff. With, that, with, that's with, what I care Sorry, mate, with the, with the memoir, obviously, again, totally different. And I think a lot of the listeners will be um, at this stage now, you know, the planning and, and the writing's quite similar. But then at this stage where we're looking at second draft, edit, copywriting, what did you do? Did you go to a creative to go through your the, the memoir? No, I mean, again, it was, I had a very clean, I had a very clean manuscript, you know, in, in like, I was very happy with what was there. Now we have made changes to the manuscript since it went to a publisher's, but you know, when I, when I take, when I take something to a publisher, I want it to be, you know, I want it to be very shelf ready. You know, I don't want it. I don't want it to, I don't want to take a project to them. I want to take a almost finished product, mm. right? And it's there then helping me to polish the project product rather than to shape the product. Mm. So the chapters, you know, we, we you know, we we took a few things out here and there. We had some legal issues, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the structure didn't change. 
you know the the, the tone of the book didn't change yeah, none yeah, of that okay. stuff all of that stuff stayed as was it was the, was the voice yours or did you know when, the voice is 100% mine yeah yeah so the the, the when the copywriter got involved did well, a, did a copywriter get involved all, all, all the copy to tidy no, it all, up? all the copy editor did was things like um if i'd used the wrong um if i'd put a comma in the wrong place yeah or if that's yeah, all it's, that's it's really, all it's, really yeah. it's really vital though i mean like for mine my my so obviously mine is self published mm-hmm. Right, it's very again. It's 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 business, and I hope this will resonate because one is obviously yours is the professional side of things mm-hmm. going through that. The, the publisher, mine is is not. What I went, I found a um, a copywriter who then helped me edit. Thank you, Shirley. The and she was brilliant, and she because we know each other, she knew my tone of voice. So yeah. when you oh, read sorry, it, it sorry, still no, sounds I, I see, like I me. see, I see what you mean. No, mine already had that. What they were doing is sometimes. Basically, I'll you know sometimes when you're writing, you might write the same word twice by accident. So you might go um, Geraint, Geraint, because it's like you might have stopped to think for a second and then started and put the extra word in. It was a clean up. It was a clean up rather than a my my voice. Like I, I get what you're getting at, but it was literally like a they're they're cleaning up where I've made typos. Yeah, it's, so, it's, so they're they're cleaning up typos. So, so for me that. That full process, and and again, man was about thirty five thousand words, right? Created a, a decent sized book. Yours is a lot more, but mine at that point that cost me about like fifteen hundred quid or a grand mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that to to get someone in. I'm just giving the advice now, like putting it yeah. down to bit. That's what that's what that converted with. Yeah. So someone who really went through it was passionate about that project and and the edit and the copy uh, the copywriting that's roughly how much that was to get yeah. the self-published well, side of things. It's like when I ghostwrite for people, mate, I'm I'm trying, I'm not ghostwriting in my voice, I'm ghostwriting in their voice, mm. you know? And that, like, that's what you said, that's that's that kind of, that's where that comes in there. I mean, that's why you pay money for a decent ghostwriter is because, you know, they, you should, you should be able to hear, like, you should be you should be hearing their voice on the page, not the ghostwriter's voice. Like their, their accent and everything. You know, like you yeah. hear that, don't you? That's... And the more time you get to spend with that person, the better. Like I always, that's one thing I do find when I ghostwrite is I have to go back and do quite a bit of editing on the earlier chapters because I didn't know the person as well. So by the time I get to the later chapters, I've spent a lot of time with that person. But like the earlier chapters, you get you're kind of guessing sometimes about what they how they'd say things because you haven't spent that much time. Okay. And by the time you get to the end of the process, you've spent more time together, and then it's just a case of going back, rewriting the first bits a bit, you know, because you've got to know them. With regards regards ghostwriting in its kind of basic form, because I know I know an organisation, I don't know how good they are, and I'm not going to endorse them, but they charge about fifteen grand for twenty four hours of someone's time over the telephone to ghostwrite a book. Wow. So. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know what what the the scheme well, of that is, but it, it's that that there is options for people mm-hmm. to do that out there. Do you know? Like it's not yeah. it, it, if you want to produce something and you 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 don't want to write it. There is there is other ways of doing that. There's also things like um like uh, an app called Rev.com, which that is a, a a very good way of producing something, and that's like audio. So you speak into it, it sends it off, and someone um like transcribes, transcribes it. it back for you. It's a really good way, and it helped me do mine where. Where I was just in a flow and mm. I, I was a bit bored of writing. So, like the times where yeah. you've done 2000, you're like, I could do with some more here, but I'm going to flick it on now. And mm. then you get a Word document an hour later. And it's that's it, really cool. I didn't know about that. It's a nice little, what do they yeah. call it? Like a little hack. Yeah. Rev.com. It's about a dollar a minute, though. So, there is a cost to that, but it mm. does produce something really good. That's interesting. Especially if you go for a walk and you want to keep yeah. it going. And, and what you can do is you can write, go for a walk. As you're you walking, write it. 
So you're 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 still speaking, and then you come back in. By the time you've got back in, had a shower or whatnot, then there'll be a document a in what? your inbox I don't have them. <laughs> saying <laughs> there'll be a document in your inbox with another five hundred or a thousand words in that you you never had before. Um, going from edit, print, and then publish. What was the what is your well, what is like the professional process of that? So once you've got the book done, um, artwork done, everything kind of in order, where do you go from there? Well, you know, for me, it's like my, my publishers took care of my artwork and stuff. It's like so, and again, it's every, everyone is different. There's no such thing as an exact. It does the different things happen at different times. So, you know, with this book. Um, there was a couple of different publishers that were interested in it. My agent took it to a couple of different publishers. Um, we know we had a few publishers put initial offers in, then they bid against, you know, they bid against each other. Um, and then, you know, you, and then you take your, you know, you get them to their highest bids and then you look at the, you look at the money and you look at who, you know, who, who which editors you'd be working with. Um, you know, I had the choice of, I had the choice of, good editors in a couple of different places and I and it you know is but there was I had previous relationships in different ones and then the money comes into it and then you just make a decision on which one I wanted to go with um you know so I was very fortunate from from that point of view um and then they helped you know they did the cover which I was really happy with they did an amazing cover um they, they the editors helped me slim some parts of the book down because when you do right when you're writing something personal it can be quite hard to chop things down mm. so they they were really helpful there how many words um, are in that? It was at, the, at one point it was one hundred twenty thousand, yeah. and then it's I think we printed on about one hundred and four. Okay, um, but there was there was parts in it where you know because a, a book like this there's legal stuff, so the lawyers went through it. So me and the lawyers had to, you know, me and the lawyers had a lot of back and forth where I threw my threw my teddy out the pram a few times, you know, because I wasn't happy with what they were wanting me to change, and there was a. There was a lot of that. Is, is that worth doing then for someone who's listening now who's thinking about doing a memoir? Is that something? Oh, you it, might get sued if you say something about someone. You could expect to get sued. Okay, so 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 advice then would be what? So to get that. I mean, you should go get, to an edit. You should get if you're writing a if you're writing a non-fiction book which involves, especially if, so if you're if you're writing a book, let's say you're in the fire service, or you're a, or you're a copper, or you're a, in the services, or even if you just worked with other people. If you, for instance, so for one of the things we had to get taken in is, I, you know, and again, I can't say who it was, I had the opinion of somebody that they were a coward and I'd put in the book and I hadn't even used their name. I just used their position and I said that I thought they were a coward and I wasn't allowed to put that in because I can't prove that they were a coward. Who, who would you right? go to then to help you with that? I mean, I don't know, mate. The in-house lawyers did it with me, but I would guess you'd have to go to uh, an entertainment attorney. Yeah, okay. So someone um, who's, who's specialised in publishing. Specialising in publishing law. Um you know, because it's, I suppose it's libel, isn't it? And you yeah. know, and um, yeah, because they were they were basically trying to head off potential lawsuits. Mm. Um, because like, don't get fooled into thinking that there's a freedom of speech thing where you can say whatever you want in a book. It's just say it's your opinion. That's not actually true. You can't. You 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 can't. You still need to buy. Like, if you're going to say your opinion of someone is, um, let's say you thought, oh, um. I thought, you know, I worked with this bloke. I always thought he was a bit dodgy. He's probably a criminal. Well, you better have some facts to back that up because if you're just saying that, then that person can come and come mm. and probably going to be successful in suing you, in which case your book's going to get pulled from wherever it's published. You're going to owe that person a lot of money and you might not, you know, you're probably going to have to at oh, the very least rewrite the that's, book. It's, that's sound advice. With, with me, with regards to um, 
getting it to that stage. Mm. I think we was at, before the books arrived, we were at about two and a half grand. I think we'd spent on artwork, getting it to a point where we were really happy with it and then and then sending it off to the um, to the print. What was it like getting the book? Did you get a box or did you get for the like first a... time? You know what, mate? Like I'm, it's always like an anticlimactic moment to me. To be honest, I'm quite a competitive person, <laughs> and I'm already thinking about the next project. By the time I've got the deal and the book's done, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's still kind of co- it is cool, but I'm already thinking like, right, well, what's what's the next? Like, and I, I try, I try and be more present and more grateful of those moments. Yeah, but by the time I got, I did, I've already had. I think six books published by before this one, so I've had that moment. And, and I, you know, I try and get three books done a year. So without wanting to try to sound too arrogant about it, it's quite a common thing now. Was you, was you like, like, was you, was you not not bored with it? But was you uh, the it, kind of shine? Because because, I got, when we got ours, it come through the port, like a big crate arrived, yeah. And then I got it out, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool. But I've already kind of like, mm. I've already moved on from well, this. Yeah, but it was it was a nice feeling. Yeah, it's a nice feeling, mate. But I put it like this, right? It's like, you know, we talk, I was talking about this with our mutual mate of ours yesterday. Like, you forget some of the times that you've been shot at when you've been shot at enough times because anything in life can become normal to you. So if it can become normal to get shot at, it can become normal to get a book through the post that you've done. And it's like, by the time you take into account, say, foreign translations of your books, like I get sent copies of those. Like, what what is always cool is I actually more so than getting it sent through the post it's seeing it in a shot for the first time mm. oh, that's, yeah, okay. that's, that's a cool and the reason I like that is because when I didn't have books published I used to walk whenever if I walk past the bookshop I'd walk in and I'd visualise seeing my book on the shelf there so that to me is more of the that's the more of the moment the other thing as well mate, is you get a book through the post and I'm on my own in the house what does that moment mean when you're on your own like mm. the best moments are the ones that you share with other people so it's much more of a, a a moment for me would be going to the supermarket with a family member and seeing the book in the, in the supermarket. That is a lot. Like, And it might be six months after it's been published. Yeah, or someone seeing it and getting in touch yeah, with you. Yeah. That's what I love, mate. That's yeah. what I love. If I hear it off a family... If, like, So yeah, me taking it out of the box is cool, but getting a, if, if I've got... Um, like one of my mates recently is in Bali and someone's reading the book in Bali. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. That's so much cooler. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Because it's like, it's, it's we, one of we, the... we got hours and I got a book and I'm part of like a business community as well. And it, there's a thing when everyone gets a book published, they open the box and it's the first mm-hmm. time they see it. It's, um, it's there. I had a big kind of cookery knife and <laughs> hammed it up, you know, open it up and it was, and it was good. And that, but then there's, a, there's, a, there's, you know, you share it, especially if you've got mentors, like business mentors, yeah. if you're going on like the kind of the, the road I, I took, um, but all, all together, we like. I know it's different for you, but for me, because people will definitely be interested in this. I got a, you know, hardback book. What would you say the standard of that? Love it. Yeah, brilliant. And five grand, not your time. From start, good artwork, a real kind of brand that we've gone through it. Um, five hundred copies in your hand was about was about five grand. Um, the benefits of a book, like we're wrapping up now. But the benefits for you as a book, do you see? Do you see that as the cash cow? Do you see? Do no. you see the book as the no. cash cow? No, not at all, mate. Like, I don't. Want, I'm, this this isn't me having a. This isn't me having a go at anyone. So I don't think I. I don't want people to think I'm only. I'm, this is realistic. Like I love. Well, just, it. I tell you what. So listen. What's your? What is? What's happening with you? 
Like because right. we know what happened with the well, pe- people think the book like, is the thing. Yeah, like I say about the book. So the thing, What's of, it doing thing about the book, right, is there's a lot of people out there who talk about saying that they they love supporting veterans and they they're interested in PTSD and all that kind of stuff. And I wrote a book about that and I put it out there and some people are interested in it. The majority of people are not. And that's fine because the market is the market. And the market says that the most popular kind of books are not books about soldiers with PTSD. That's fine. That's what the market is. Um, but that's why I say that's not, that's, that's not the cash cow. It's never going to be the cash cow. What this book is for me is um, it's legacy. Like this, this book I'm hoping will still be getting bought long after I'm dead by people who are a squaddy in, you know, in a hundred years time, there's going to be a squaddy who like, just like I, re- I read about the first world war when I was an interested, interested mm. in being a squaddy. I'm hoping that there's going to be squaddies in a hundred years time that read this book. So it's not the cash cow at all. It's more, this is something that I get to leave behind, you know? Um, and it gets to tell the story about the lads that I was, you know, that I served with. So, mm. That to me is that that is the important part of the book. Now it's made it's made me money. Yes, it's got a lot, you know it's one of the books that allows me to be a full time author, but it's not like um, it's. I don't see this as being what what brings me more money is writing um, is writing fiction. You know, people. I think the if you look at there are non fiction books out there that make a lot of money. But realistically, as a career author, it's like if you want to be a Lee Child or someone like that, then you've got to make up stories and have a successful series with a recurring fictional character. So, like, for me, in terms of writing now, I get... I think publishers would like it if I just made up, like, a character like a Jack Reacher and wrote that kind of Mm. series, recurring series. My brain doesn't work like that. I get... I'm not... I can't just have one thing of one type of thing going on. So I have historical fiction going. I have crime fiction. I'm about I'm, I'm about to start self-publishing some stuff as well because I want to try that out. I like to be in charge of stuff, so I'm going to start self-publishing as well as working with the traditional ones. I'm going to do a book about Iraq. I've got um, um, just found a TV producer for a comedy um, that I've written for TV, so we're going to start <laughs> getting that rolling. I've got a, a, um, a movie in pre pre um pre-production over into the states that we're hoping to shoot this year so loads of different things because that that's what works for me like i need loads of different projects with different things i think the thing is if you look at yourself as a business which you are you are a business i i run a business my book is is certainly about um kind of leaving it on someone's desk they're going to read it again and again it doesn't get put in a bin like a brochure would do in you know, your memoir is going to get put on someone's desk. Like, read read about this this guy. This is who he's, what he's all about. This is his thoughts. That leads on to something else. Um, and you look at the opportunity that's come from, like, would he have in his book yep. out there? If, if it was never done, he wouldn't have the opportunity. Now, Jordan Wiley, the same, like, his, his book is a, his business card yep. and he leaves it with people. Yep. Um, for me... I don't have any expectations of making money from it. I think if you're doing it for for the purposes I've done, you just got to get over that. But but my but it's still the same thing as yours. Like it's my business, mm-hmm. and it's an asset to have. I, I think that, yeah, that's the way to look at me. It's like anyone that's writing out there should like don't don't um don't don't think about writing for the sake of making money. Think about writing because it's something therapeutic or it's something you enjoy. And if you make money off the back of it, then that's going to be a great thing. But it shouldn't be your driving force because you're probably going to be disappointed and it will just make something stressful out of something that should just be like pure joy. Great. We will leave it there. Listen. 
Shout out Teaser. You told me not to worry, and you wouldn't break my heart. You told me you were sorry, and yeah, my whole world fell apart. You said it's not my fault, and yeah, I've never done you wrong. I'm grinding to a halt, now I can see you're moving on. I promised I'd get better, and I told you things would change. You keep me to the gutter, yeah, I'll never be the same. I've got to let you go, now live your life and spread your wings, and yeah, you put on quite a show. And pulled the puppet strings, and are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain, or maybe you should thank me. It's your loss and my gain. I'm leaving now forever, I won't hang my head. Shame, but yeah, you've taken me for granted And you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us A dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live And something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet Or hold a newborn But no matter what I do My hands remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that Still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories fade, yeah They go fast, yeah They go fast Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows Just take a step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows Just take a step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose